This is the second episode of the New Models Podcast. I'm New Models Media Director Lil Internet, joined by artists Dan Keller and Masha Chan, and New Models co-founder Caroline Busta. Today we're talking about the phenomenon of incels and their beloved models. No, not that kind. We also find peace outside the feed, talk rap and hair metal, and discover the cringe that could save us all. Up next. First, we want to talk a little bit about Drudge Report again. I guess Dan learned something kind of interesting about the secret behind their old school looking code. Yeah, so um, somebody who I was on a panel with, I was telling them about our site and uh, about that Drudge Report was the inspiration. And just that we thought it was really interesting how you know a site from 1988 could keep the same code base and still have that many viewers per month and he told me that actually it has just it's completely filled with spyware like it has a lot of the same trackers as uh, Breitbart and that the whole sort of dirt style front end is just a ruse and I thought that was actually maybe more interesting than them actually being a successful anomaly like that it's just that that aesthetic kind of maybe sells we're not trying to be dirt style to obfuscate the fact that we're actually running tons of trackers well not to mention that the G GDPR mm. it, it launched which in in Europe which has made it actually there's a lot of site like I have to use a uh, an American VPN to even like generally browse things if I'm looking for reference images or something for instance uh, or reading lots of American news that you can't access a lot of the sites yeah, now. I think yeah 2018 is about like using a VPN to like actually watch the ads you're not <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're paying to have ads, uh, for, for, to, to process ads. We're, we're paying data, we're paying energy in order to watch ads. Yeah, I mean, this that just means that the actual like free internet in exchange for advertising, it's not even just free in exchange for advertising. We're actually, you know, paying basically micropayments to an ISP and that is just trickling down to the to the actual website provider. So there is really a, already a micropayment system, I guess. Just we're not really consenting to it. I, mean, I think that like maybe we're all secretly mining Monero. I feel like my computer slowed down so much. I'm pretty sure I'm just got hacked or something. Yeah, I'm with you. I I just trust the law of numbers that there's you know I'm just that's like a, a it's like a lottery you didn't ask to play and hopefully I don't win it. So when this incel I mean incel has obviously been in the news a, a lot. These are certainly people for whom like the semiotic space has total primacy. Like the simulation, the internet has total primacy in their lives and they build their and they think of them as either a continuum or totally like one-to-one analogous places like online in the real world and i mean they try to make these rule sets or try to figure out these sort of algorithms online and then directly translate them to the real world and get frustrated or think it's unfair when they don't work which is really kind of bizarre and flawed at its at its absolute core to me. Um, and I mean, it goes to Elliot Roger too, who's so fascinating to revisit right now, especially his manifesto. But it's, you know, he just thought like, 
I got the clothes, I got the sunglasses, I have the car, why don't girls like me? And so many incels think this way, but somehow they keep forgetting the fact that like people actually want to have fun and like, I don't know, like, yeah, have fun. And they don't get this part of it. I mean, I think something interesting here is the question of chaos. And I know Peterson also equates women with chaos. And, you know, traditionally, that's it's a trope. But um, we're, we're talking about Elliot Roger here um, in part because there's this good article by Mike Crumpler in The Jacobite called The Aeneid for Incels. And he sort of said, you know, reading these manifestos, we actually can learn a lot about the symptom that produces uh, the, the produces this incel phenomenon. And so we thought it would be interesting to go back and to actually look at some of the language that he's using. In a way, what we find from Eliot is um, the personification of uh, America's like kind of crazy socio- uh, sociopathy. I mean, semiotic space, I just want to back up for a second, is also live space. I mean, semiotic space is just, you know, where we interface with codes. So that also happens in real space. But it's a fear of complexity, of a, a complex semiotic space, a space where codes can change because the tone of the voice is different or the pupils are dilated or there's a there's a much richer semiotic space in live space. It's not controlled just by whatever can happen in the screen. And so I wonder what it is that's causing, I think it has to do with chaos on some level, a fear of chaos. Um, and um, I don't really know where to go, f- you know, how to unpack that further, but. Well, I think that, yeah, like they, I mean, Elliot Roger, like he started becoming like, well, a self-described incel after going to the pickup artist hate website. And I think there's so much of an attraction for like looking for these simple models and like just systems rather of like how to get, you know, just like a tutorial basically. And, and I biohacking think, for love and sex. Right. And so I just think like when those models don't work, rather than like Elliot Roger reevaluating his worldview and being like, oh, maybe this is bullshit what I've been told all the time. He just just freaks out because it just the 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 map doesn't doesn't map to the territory in the right way i mean nobody nobody in real life or nobody with like a rich social life would ever i don't think they ever think about it in terms of any rule sets period to be honest it's kind of like an organic skill you learn or or something and it's like I just don't understand though, like how these kids don't see like you know, like a girl doesn't want to sit there playing video games talking about um, Sweden's Muslim rape crisis. Like that's not a fucking date. Like that's not gonna get you laid. I mean, like, some girls might, but like no. or a guy. But I mean, whatever. It's, I, don't, I wouldn't even gender it. Too, I would just say. Hmm? I think probably some girls are into that these yeah. days for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would, I would the issue is that they yeah. can't even do that. I think it's they just, can't even start that conversation. Let alone like yeah. And they're thirsty as fuck. Yeah. They, like, want it now. They're so desperate that, like... But, I mean, the other thing, though, is that Elliot... I mean, it is interesting, though, to see, like, when kind of, I guess, the wider capitalism and consumerism system kind of gets... uh, when, When people who live entirely in simulated environments and in video games where there's clear rule sets and algorithms... And then they kind of look at capitalism in this in the world around them and how that operates, and they kind of extract also these simplistic uh, values out of them and metrics. Um, and and then they they think that there's obviously a clear way to succeed in this system. And but what they get they get it entirely 
wrong. People do do well in rules. I think of Nexium, and I think about the like, like how that's such an insane story. And the people who are in the cult, they're like, feel like, no, I really feel more empowered, and I, I've been able to like hack my brain and my my sense of self, and it's amazing. I mean, you know, people oftentimes thrive within rule sets. It's just like. Can you unpack what Nexium is? Yeah. So Nexium is. It's been billed in the media as like a sex cult with a charismatic guru leader. Um, he was very David Koresh. Very David Koresh. Like down to the ponytail. Yeah, Jim Jones. Like, so David yeah. Koresh. Very David Koresh. It's um, and uh, David Koresh was like more se- had more sexual energy than Jim Jones, right? That was very, that yeah. was very much well, of his authority. Well, it was like Nexium. David Koresh definitely. He slept. He was the only one who could sleep with all the women. Right. And then Nexium guy also was sleeping with everybody, and they both had ponytails. He says only two, but right. Who Nexium? Yeah. Guy said only two. Yeah. Oh. But we well, they think, still but, all had yeah. ponytails. Yeah. Big, yeah, big yeah, problem. Yeah. But so it was like a pyramid scheme for purification. And you basically, kind of like in Scientology, you like when it seems like you're right for the path or whatever the the language they use is, you then meet with somebody who's like somehow empowered within the system. You then divulge to them certain secrets and they hold that as a kind of um, like collateral or blackmail with like Scientology, like Scientology. Does same thing. Um, and uh, but the idea is, is that once you've said once you've told these these you've made these secrets um, known you then can free yourself of these problems which is just you know classic therapy um, uh, and then you're given a rule set that you have to follow and you watch your body transform you watch your psychology transform you watch your friends group transforms and you think like actually you have power over chaos um, and uh, it's, you know, really successful, except for the fact that you, like, completely give your life over to something that's really fucked up um, and end up, like, I don't know, malnourished and living in a bubble. I mean, it's pretty interesting that, right, the, the whole Nexium got really big because the Bronson girls got, um, were really into it, right? And they were, you know, billionaire heiresses from Canada, and... They got super into this cult, and, and I think they did too because they're kind of disillusioned with the capitalist structure around them and the power hierarchies. I mean, in a way, I guess <laughs> between incels, in whether incels or Nexium, these are all people really disillusioned with the system around them and, and kind of looking for a new rule set that they can follow and exactly. gain. But I mean, that's the same thing with radical Islamic terrorists from the West or people who leave to go to Syria. You know, they're, like, d- disillusioned with the, the, the system around them. They feel like they can't play. I mean, it's even Trump supporters, too. It's, like, if you're not, like, cool and you're not, like, hot according to the spectacle's values, like, you, you kind of need to find purpose in your life somewhere else that goes against that. But that this kind of celebrity, narcissistic, you know, really kind of superficial and spectacular culture is the norm now. So everybody's, yeah, it's, like... Uh, I don't know if you if if you can't deal with it, you you end up kind of joining some more kind of finding it in some uh, finding an alternative in these kind of extreme spaces. I mean, people feel good about adhering to some kind of set of rules, accomplishing it, and then the power of their mind is that you know I think of juice fasts or something it's similar. People feel power over their bodies after they sustained a seven day cleanse, um, and they feel like they've purified. They've gotten out the toxins. They now are strong. They now are like superiority over their coworkers. I mean. 
you see this in in various shades um, uh, across the spectrum. I mean, it's I think though like a really big key to when you hear incels also talk about being an incel or why society is unfair and rigged against them, they always bring up sexual exchange value. Yeah, that, that's which, that term. in a way, like, I mean, it does make sense. I think there is a sexual exchange value to some degree, but it's not a ubiquitous system. It's like they assign this one to 10 scale and think they have, like, all of the nuance of human sexuality and uh, figured out. But that's... I mean, to me, every time I hear somebody starting from within that frame, I'm like, whoa, 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 back up. It's actually the frame that's the whole problem. This is insane. Like, that's not how it works. I feel like Burning Man should sponsor incels to come there and feel different dimensions. I think... They would all just overdose and vomit. (laughs) I mean, I I think with this resurgence of uh, psychedelic research we have right now i think there's something really good i mean you really should just like put incels on forced trips but most uh, both isis say and incels see women as this like ultimate goal i don't think either of them counts with the fact that they would have to like deal with a with another like human being it's just some like asset they're trying to acquire i mean elliot roger does specifically use the term he's like acquire a girlfriend he says his 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 dad acquired a new girlfriend i think that term is like quite yeah jen fee logic it's like the female body is the ultimate container for capital and in cell logic capitalistic logic i mean but then isn't this also just part of this kind of solipsistic kind of uh, online experience of uh, everything outside of you is something like that is a piece uh, asset in a system that there is some formula for you to acquire it and it's this like very kind of like computational solipsistic way of thinking about everything and also very gaming logic but it's it's inherently narcissistic we're narcissism like comes in waves of like being a hot topic about our society right now on the internet but right now i feel like it's been dying down but it's so key to everything i mean interesting though we're at a time where generationally boomers were very object oriented and although someone like elliot roger tells you he has a cool shirt and great sunglasses and a nice car i mean in general generationally like we are more tied to things that are not object-based to value that is derived through showing you're part of a network or showing you have access to something as opposed to uh look at my table look at my cookware look at my I don't know. Elliot reads The Secret and starts visualizing win- winning the lottery, winning Powerball, and he just equates his like personal worth to his net worth. Like, but directly, like there is no. He just has given up on any possibility of of getting laid through any like work or at all. I mean, he also won't even. He doesn't start buying lottery tickets until the jackpot is over a hundred million because like there's so little that's actually worth his effort. It's just like everything is so entitled. And I mean, maybe we're reading too much into his personal his personal thing, but I feel like it's very indicative of, of this logic in general. Yeah, I mean, I think he's from Calabasas. I feel like it's just the epicenter of that specific culture. The Kardashians live there, Bieber lives there. He chooses to go to like, you know, a party surf school because he just like associates. It's a sexually active place, so he just assumes he would yeah, I'll go to he where sex living. is having. It's <laughs> <laughs> being had. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, there is this. I mean, I think the fact that he's into the secret is just so 
just so typical. The secret of, being Oprah's. Be, Oprah's the secret, or Oprah endorsed. I forget who wrote the secret, but it's the okay. law of attraction or whatever. Um, which is like, okay, there is some truth to it, but I think it's more like do stuff that you're interested in and then pursue that and like, you know, talk about the thing you're interested in and meet people you're the thing that you're interested in, and then you'll get the thing that you're interested in. It's not like visualize winning the lottery. I mean, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> the we, the lamest. I mean, I do think that part of it comes from him being like a spectrum kind of guy. And I think it's, I think there's a tendency for, for those individuals to like latch on to these sort of like game-like models because they are sort of much easier to understand than all the nuances of social interaction and body stuff. language. And body language, etc. Yeah. I think there's something very specific there. Um, and I think that's something that's obviously shared amongst the dudes who, you know, our incels are hanging out in these forms. That's a really common, common neurotype. Um, and I think it's sort of, as much as you can talk about narcissism, I mean, that's maybe the personality disorder, but it's comorbid with all sorts of other um, things. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's still, I mean, it, it is still, I think it, it's just part of that experience uh, online where you're the only real thing and then the whole rest of the world is simulated and around you and instantly accessible and you know algorithmically tuned to kind of give you what you want and and i i always believe that people more and more the more time they spend in that space the more they really want nature's feed (laughs) reality to to act the same way i mean it's also interesting to see in all of his videos you can tell he's kind of the video of himself is kind of a proxy for himself to feel his own feelings through. And you can kind of tell in this weird detachment from the language. But also, that you know, there's this weird thing about the, the way they imagine dates, so the way they imagine romance, you know? Like, there's that nice guy incel thing of, like, showing up to a girl you don't know's door with flowers and then being pissed when she isn't into you but it all comes from like anime and like traditional gentlemanly right the supreme gentleman yeah like that's the, just explicitly anime i think it's not even video games it's definitely this yeah like, but just thinking but also thinking like the fantasy of a date is all about them 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 it's like i bring flowers and then i grab her hand and, and i take her this and then here and then we kiss in front of the sunset and then we go home and, and i have that heavenly sex i've been wanting but she the, gives you the heaven so she gives you something heavenly it's right not, he doesn't even get into the detail because i think he's like probably too embarrassed to actually like talk about sex he's what? just obsessed with it but the whole thing is like entirely solipsistic again like it's you're the only point uh, that you're the only reality that exists and everything else kind of gets hallucinated in into into the way you you imagine or dream it which is also how the internet really works you hallucinate the world you want you choose to see in front of you i mean there's something isn't there something though inherently autistic about the online space like it's almost simulated autism or asperger for the user right because you can't make eye contact you can't read body language you can't see face like signals uh, of communication you normally could the more subtle nuanced part of face-to-face communication you can't really feel empathy you uh things are more coded i mean you know they also say there's something about coding and the spectrum that just go hand in hand once you train your thinking to be kind of permutating every possible outcome it's like it starts to become unescapable for all the other things in your life 
Well, I, I got in some trouble for approaching this subject several years ago, but I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that so many of these um, platforms are designed by dudes who are Spectrum. And I think that logic of the programmers, of course, gets is spilling over into the interface and therefore into the culture in general. And I think like that is, that is maybe one of the biggest like shifts cognitively over the last 10 years is just sort of our brains being redesigned by autistic guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes, that makes sense. And I'm on, the, I'm on the spectrum, so I'm allowed to talk about it. By the time you hear this, the site will be live. So you can log on to our homepage at newmodels.io to reach us with your thoughts, write to desk at newmodels.io. And um, if uh, you say something interesting, we'll write back to you. I've tried to say. <laughs> and, and that, you know, speaking about uh, how women factor into this, I'm really interested then in the women's body being not just a commodity, but the ultimate container for capital. And because she is this chaos figure, she's something that exceeds the algorithm. She's something that exceeds the limited framework of the uh, autistic uh, online space. Um, and I just wonder, you know, we're, we're seeing women being spoken about through this incel literature um, always as, um, as, as something to acquire. But I mean, obviously, this is not the first time we've seen our culture, women being reduced to, um, to some, you know, money of some sort. I mean, the misogyny in kind of rap culture is really like attractive females are really treasured even if they're treasured as commodities they aren't really reviled in the way incels uh treat them but at the same time they are thought of as something that is acquired and, and kind of yeah treated as really a, a i mean an an object to be desired and if you if you have it if you have women you have you know personal value and worth and if you don't um, you don't, and then, I mean, there's also a, a sort of a violence around more kind of, I, I guess, protecting your assets or wealth, including women, than anything else, as opposed to the violence of incels directly towards women as a sort of revenge. But what about women in this fact, like in the spectrum? Like, how do they handle it? Like, there are a lot of, you know, increasingly there are a lot of, um, you know, smart female rappers. If you talk about female rappers whether they're uh female rappers or the girls in the video or whatever it's like they it's kind of um they kind of agree to the rules of the game and then they try to gain their own power in it so it's like actually you look at like iggy azalea and Nicki minaj right they like build these perfect bodies and then they really try to kind of um use the kind of have this impeccable sexuality they derive a whole bu a lot of power from they accumulate wealth themselves and then they ultimately kind of try to play the same exact game of the of the men it's kind of like female patriarchy like we've kind of talked about before it's just like these women in these really dominant yeah these kind of dominant roles but they really play by the same rule sets i feel like but there's some kind structure. of balance in that culture. I mean, I, for better or worse, there's some kind of balance where 
both sides are able to claim some kind of agency in whatever this spectrum is. So unlike this, you know, incel um, spectrum that we were talking about before, which really, I mean, except for um, the YouTube shooter who maybe had some some characteristics yeah. that could be paralleled. Uh, Nassim demonetization. I only call it She was not incel, though. She was not incel. It was incel. not a problem. She was just... Right, so she's not in. She was being silenced. That's all. So there's silenced really no demonetized. Yeah. She was being demonetized, she's demonetized by the demonetized. algorithm. But there, there aren't any. You know, so in in this sense, it's really it, it is actually a gendered. It is a problem that that has a strong gender component. When we switch to speaking about the rap sphere, I mean, there are very successful female rappers. There are very successful women who perform also, like you know, in uh, like a rap context, and they're successful male rappers, and there's some kind of I mean it's highly problematic also but there is some kind of balance where everybody is able to participate in some way I mean I think it's but I think it just comes down to the nuance of human sexuality and power anyways I mean it's kind of like I mean any rapper would agree you know like pussy makes the world go round or something or like yo the women are really in charge like they they know how much power the women have over them so they try to keep this sort of distance or dehumanization uh i mean in a in an odd way like women are are sort of they, they they're not they, their agency isn't gone right i mean in in a way all of it is 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 done for women and i guess incels at the same time they they feel like they're doing all the things to get the girls, and then when they don't have it, instead of uh, looking at it as their problem, unlike rappers, they start to say, well, we should just take the agency away from the women. Like, we should just force them into doing this. Whereas a rapper would just think, well, I need to get my stacks up, you know? <laughs> well, that's what Elliot Roger thought, too, let's be fair. That he thought it was explicitly just got to get his stacks up. But he's doing really, he's really bad at A-B testing. <laughs> he's really bad at A-B testing, did not have very good pattern recognition. He couldn't yeah. rap either. <laughs> couldn't even play World of Warcraft. He didn't even all. like rap. Yeah. He was good at, <laughs> yeah, right. Was he good at? He was good at World of Warcraft. No, he was in like, the sense that he acquired a lot of trinkets for his character. He was like, <laughs> but that was the only aspect of it he was good at. It was just shopping. Stuff. Really? Shopping well, that, in the he game? He talks about how... <laughs> He, he's just a mediocrity and he cannot be talented in anything and even at things he's actually passionate about he's just he only uh, is good at it because he has an immense amount of like free time in his hands like w right. the, the myth about Ethereum's creation is that Vitalik they changed the code in World of Warcraft and he lost a lot of his items that he had spent a lot of time on and so he thought like, what if there was a perfect decentralized registry of everyone's World of Warcraft items and that is sort of the, the root of a lot of these um, whatever decentralized platforms that was maybe a, after he Elliot Roger gave up playing it because there were too, too many normies occupying the space and talking about their girlfriends oh right he's like the biggest normie <laughs> yeah he's such a normie well he's just trying to be and this is what I meant is like instead of just like he could have so easily just become emo or something there's some God. sort of like you know, like, oh, the system, it's bullshit. It's not my fault. It's not It's not necessarily women's fault. It's just the system is bullshit. And then you yeah. could just, like, I don't know, Take go surf, go surfing. Yeah. What was he going to bond? Like, what did he think he was going to bond with girls over? Like, Starbucks? Nordstrom? <laughs> no, I think it's much more just, Barnes like... Barnes Noble. <laughs> People just destiny. This exist. He just thought of just... It's just destiny. The sort of just sexual revolution and that sort of liberal 
idea of sexuality that is so much the entrenched institution now that these dudes who are trying to be edge lords it's edgy to be trad and so mm. that's like right. there's yeah. some sort of norm just core. yeah well yeah norm core t- trad core yeah, is like core. That, like the nrx to the liberty if like li- if like norm core is libertarian then trad is nrx just taking it <laughs> one step further that's it's uh, yeah it's totally about like being tr- yeah tr- being trad is like the new punk basically and like all tinder does is make it easier to have the same the 20s you were gonna fucking have anyways <laughs> i mean i found it really interesting as soon as i block my facebook feed my perception of the politics of the world like totally changed yeah like all of a sudden it seemed like there was far less conflict and actually real life general life seemed to be a lot smoother and less combative than i thought and these these things that are so much smaller in scope that seem to be amplified so big on facebook and these arguments and these accusations and uh, it just it all vanished from my life and all of a sudden i was more worried about rent and food and health care and normal fucking things i mean i want to offer an interesting not exactly counter argument but um another angle um i was i was reading this article a couple of days ago where they were talking about how uh, in a magazine that's called real life magazine um where they were saying yeah you know the politics of logging off are increasingly becoming part of a neoliberal discourse where it's seen as a kind of self-responsibilization just like one should do 30 minutes of yoga before they go to bed and when they get up in the morning and they should um, avoid carbs and you know sort of the way to have a healthy body is to log off and so we know empirically it's healthier to not always be online but it's now becoming absorbed within a certain habit a certain a certain habit set um, that's seen as you're more productive if you log off. It's not just the space that's like, great, like I see my friends and go to the bar and whatever, like sit in a park. It's like log off so that you can be a better worker. Log off so that your productivity is high. Log off if you want to be respected in your company. Log off. Again, Facebook is embarrassing, especially in a workplace environment that um, value self-responsibilization of the neoliberal ethos. I mean, I think it's going to be really important to, to be honest in the future. It's just this kind of, even in your own frame, restructuring, rethinking of the online space is actually a place that's kind of negative with a different rule set where things get amplified and where your priorities or the scope of life gets skewed in, in kind of damaging ways. Like even that at a macro frame level would I think would be really beneficial to society. I mean, I, I think availability bias, I think is like, I mean, it's so entrenched in the way that internet operates. It's, it's inescapable and availability bias is just that you are more likely to believe or reference or follow the most recent information because it's the most, uh, easily available and the internet of course this perpetual novelty fetish you know you're always going to get the most recent things and that's why you lose these you lose these really important older things and that's why like, even new models we decided to use an old model sort of a, a drudge report style aggregation almost blog model because or even more so why we want to do a print issue as well because we want to precipitate uh, a print record 
of the ephemeral online space and then put that print record on a bookshelf where you can go to your bookshelf and you can look and you're like, okay, there's my like 90s magazines and there's my new models from fall 2018 and here's some... I don't know, like Philip Roth. <laughs> Availability bias with this goldfish memory of the internet, really. It's like, I mean, it can easily make you think the world is falling apart every single second. I think that's what drives a lot of right-wing extremism, too. Also left-wing. Yeah, so, also you know, left, yeah. That's classic. It's like that can, that can start to haunt the rest of your time existing in reality when it's really did not you, important. Uh, did you see this? There was this like feature where you could look at your, you could look at what your Twitter f- feed was with the same people you were following now, but like 10 years ago. And it was what? all just like, oh I'm going to, going to get a cup of coffee or like the sun's shining. And it was just like a dramatically different place and time. Wow. And I, I, you know, yeah, you're just like, you're saying, is that just amplifying those conflicts or is it creating it or is that actually the new reality where that's how people are just like living this you know psychological combat every time they're online i mean that's what it feels like to me at the same time i didn't like twitter at all 10 years ago i didn't get the point of it and now i think it's like an amazingly it's an amazing medium i really think it's like it's by far the best platform there is now as far as just pure unfettered content this reminds me of uh something you said about ar how it's like we're now it's you know it it doesn't make any sense to say like you're af away from keyboard or you're in your online space. Oh my god! Like, I forgot about a wave AFK. Right? That was exist. AFK. Yeah. Right. Is that I cool? still use AFK I, I still all the because, time, but that's I, but yeah. people don't know it. Okay, I haven't checked. I'm just just dating um, myself. But so, but the idea of AFK is that that in itself is a total fantasy because we have a keyboard literally touching our body like at all times. We're never away from. It's still keyboard. it's still a gamer um, term though because if you're actually oh, away yeah, from a multi-user AFK, game. Actually, you can actually yeah. be away. So but, but this it means idea you're peeing, though. That's all it means. <laughs> in a bottle. You're yeah. peeing in a diaper if you're gaming. True. But if it just, like, the, this idea of, um, of, of how, like, our AFK time space is more always just an augmented reality. I mean, and, you know, all of these, it, it's impossible. To, to really get a full divide is a bit of a fantasy. I mean, it's like, we're, you know, the way, I, another article about how, um, maps are producing us as opposed to the other way around. Um, not only are we constantly seeing the world world through this Google simulation, but we're also, um, you know, we're creating our mental map based on Google says the best coffee shop is here. So why am I going to bother with the 35 other ones? It could be okay if this is the one that's popping up. So we're being produced by the maps that have already read us. So we're already living in this kind of AR augmented reality space. I mean, VR just sounds like Disney World. No. Fine. But yeah. AR is where, we're, where right. we are. We're, yeah. we're, I mean, I used to describe society as increasingly hyper-real, but now I just think it's it's augmented reality. We have this there. layer, we're, and we're already 100% an augmented reality society because the the smartphone is just this virtual layer that interfaces on top, that goes on top our reality layer, and we consider them one thing, and that's how we navigate life, through this augmented reality. Um, And, uh, I mean, I think also people forget that things always happen in cascades, and and also we have these... um, these flywheels develop too. It's almost like, I forget the evolutionary term, but it's kind of like how, uh, why males develop 
they're huge male peacocks develop their feathers which are you know evolutionarily and energy wise really inefficient but it was some kind of flywheel loop that evolutionary spun off because of the sexual reinforcement the females like loved the peacock feathers the big feathers so it just kept it kind of got into this flywheel and cascade of them growing bigger and bigger feathers but i mean a lot of things in nature and society happen in that way and i think we're also in that way too with the with our political climate and political the threat of political correctness and the availability bias of things on our feed it's like they they kind of trigger these flywheels and then they they we end up with these really extreme polarizations but that said, I mean, we, as the online space becomes like sort of more and more like horrible or, or, or take more and more energy to be in that space, I mean, maybe we will just maybe, you know, it was just kind of a mistake or maybe it was just something oh. that we'll, you know, we'll just move away. We'll just, I, I you think know, it's just like how we don't use our Facebook feeds right now right? because we find them to just sort of, you know, life is just infinitely better and clearer and more interesting without it. Maybe we just decide or why we, you know, the kill your TV movement. Like, you know, yeah. there was a moment where like, this is boring actually. We're in Bitcoin year one of the log off movement. <laughs> like start your t-shirt companies, soap. I think, yeah, log off soap. Yeah. <laughs> Work and, and uh, your self-help channels. <laughs> like, that is a very guerrilla mindset thing to do. <laughs> is it? It isn't explicitly in guerrilla mindset, right? Yeah. Wait, what put is? A, put a, put a, put your phone away. Like, become a just man. Mind, be, just be mindful. Be manly. You read guerrilla mindset? Yes. Oh wow. It's a good read. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's just like Elliot Rogers manifesto. It's a very fun read. I, I just stumbled across. It's like an old thing, but this guy Michael Porfirio. And he has the G manifesto. It's just this sort of like pickup artist thing, but he is very active on Twitter and he's constantly talking about soy phones, like these dudes on their soy phones. Oh, wow. Um, it's about soy boys. Soy boys, yeah. yeah. But it's an amazing. Wait, mean, what's a soy phone? Sorry. It's an iPhone, well, but it, he's all, he's just like. <laughs> wait, <laughs> I mean, but we got to explain soy, soy boys first. So basically, I can imagine soy, soy lowers your testosterone, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So they call like, yeah, they think that the world right now is engineered to lower our testosterone. So soy boys are soy. White genocide, mean. male genocide. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, if you get these all right kids to, to, and incels to log off. Like, they're not going to be alt-right and incels very much longer. What's that Tyler, the Creator video? Oh, wait, back to... <laughs> Tyler, the Creator is the most... First of all, the, the most important media theorist of our time. That's because true. of this one tweet <laughs> where tweet, he just yeah. said... Yeah, he just said... He, he was just like, ha, ha, ha. How is cyberbullying a thing? Like, close your eyes. Look away from your screen. <laughs> and like, i just think that's the most brilliant this is like in the it you know cyberbullying heyday of uh when when availability bias was skewed towards cyberbullying all right but yeah he just said yo like yo like turn off your phone look away from your screen yeah right. and, and in a way i really do agree like so like so many people have become it's crazy. Like, people have become literal Nazis over perceived threats to free speech. And people have also said that, like, even Jordan Peterson is basically, like, online chilling of, like, uh, of, of offensive language is, like, the precursor to, like, 20 million dead in Stalin Russia. 
<laughs> which is what? like seriously <laughs> which is like no like for real which is totally crazy to me like th- th- that's the one thing too i just don't think this shit is that important like your social media your online space and that's another thing that really worries me is that kids these days I, I really do think like I can't believe I just said yeah, kids, you said these, kids days. these days. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I really do think though that like basically I really do think that when when you're so when when your social media presence is so important to you and so inextricable from your sense of self that you think like all of a sudden becoming a social media pariah because of something offensive you said or or getting your Twitter blocked or something is, is I feel like these kids equate that to being as bad as what happens to them if they shoot up this school. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something interesting there. And also, when we think about gaming, and like, I mean, also, when we think about celebrity breakdown, this is coming back again to this Mike Crumpler, um, the Aeneid for Incels essay, but how like the celebrity breakdown or Roseanne losing her show or any one of Trump's um, employees being fired. I mean, you can just reset. It's like you can die and you can reset in a social scape. Um, and so it's like the idea between that kind of social media death um, and actual death, I think there's some confusion between like what it means. But also isn't actually dying a way to like cheat the social media thing and amplify your voice like a way to pitch your like shitty 140 page manifesto yeah or like a vlog (laughs) yeah i mean that's the that's the ultimate that everyone is emulating elliot roger because he made the ultimate media sacrifice but so doing something crazy for a celebrity is also something that's not new serial killers for instance i mean they're also they're methodical they're precise they take pride in what they're doing and they know that they want to get famous right on some level even the unabomber wanted to get famous i mean would you say or I, I, well i just think there's okay like i think spree shooters definitely want fame in the same like they want to acquire fame they don't want to earn it mm-hmm. serial killers acquire i don't know girlfriends I mean, yeah exactly it's this kind of mindset i feel like it's yeah it's a similar like a suicide bomber again like they get a specific amount of version i don't know if that's true that seems apocryphal i don't know but uh yeah i think it's the same sort of thing and i um yeah, I mean, I don't know, we're past the golden age of serial killers, so who knows. But I think that seems a lot more like of a developed pathology than, than these spree shooters. Are. I mean, is it or is it like, I mean, is it something, is it, you know, that was the symptom of like the 60s or 70s? I mean. It was I, like like new wave, new wave cinema version of this? I, this I is don't just know. I'm just Facebook. thinking. Right. Version. It's like, you know, every every era has their like ultimate their the personification of the ultimate horror. And we're now seeing this through the bodies and actions of teenagers. But we also aren't seeing a lot of like guys abducting women in parking lots and burying them alive or like whatever the yeah. horrific Well, I just think it's also be. you can't get away with those kinds of crimes in the same way. So true. the only kind of murder you can do is got to get it out really quickly, I guess. I mean, that's also kind of interesting because of surveillance. There's no like sneaking around. It's like you show up to your elementary school, your old elementary yeah, school and just Sure. I mean, right, speaking of like, Ted Kaczynski, how quickly do you think he would get caught these days? Like right. you can't it was already I mean, he already got angry because 
he's tried to get off grid as much as he can and there was like construction site right next to his cabin like <laughs> same. Yeah. so i mean just imagine now i don't know i think like let alone whatever forensics evidence they'd be able to to get from the mail bombs themselves etc but but more about him i think like yeah he, he was have, in so as well wasn't he yeah more or less he was just like also like rejected from college like from so his university <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he wanted to get famous, but he had he had uh, he has actual coherent ideology. Oh, his manifesto is great. Yeah, it's uh, it's the, one of the only like you know relatively contemporary manifestos that I I see actually being like continually referenced by kind of like various political Every factions. Every student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, guilty. I mean, um, Valerie Solanas though. There's a there's a female, um, like gender located, aggressive. Like, I mean, I, I probably probably uh, more than we're going to unpack in this podcast. But interesting for somebody out there to consider. Great American manifestos. Yeah, great American manifestos. The compilation. Yeah, that'd be good. New Models is currently totally self-produced and self-funded. If you're interested in underwriting or advertising on one of our podcasts, please contact Anad, A-N-A-D, at newmodels.io. That's Anad, A-N-A-D, at newmodels.io, and Anad will take great care of you. Or, of course, you can just buy a t-shirt. But it just seems to me like people, they they... I, uh, I mean, they're looking for something. They're disillusioned with society. I mean, this is, I mean, this goes really macro, but I, I just can't help but feeling all these people, whether it's the opiate crisis and how many people use drugs, both prescribed and not, I mean, significantly opiates as well. And then also just people kind of joining these sort of extremist but structured movements and otherwise, also a lot of people on the left joining these very identity-oriented kind of uh, um, groups that also give them a structure and a rule set and a in-group to be a part of. I mean, there's obviously something unnaturally and incredibly alienating about society today that did not exist before. Or... I mean, yeah, it didn't exist with this intensity or, right, or something, right, right. something something before. If you were going to be reductionist and, and reduce it down to one key thing, it's which what has primacy for your life? Reality of the simulation. If the simulation is primacy, you end up with the alt-right and the SJWs and incels and all of these but sort of things. But that already happened. I just like, you can't, you, yeah, you cannot put the genie happen. back in this bottle at all. I think what you're saying is no, very reactionary. No, I think you, I think you can put the genie back in the bottle just by being, just, just kind of by adjusting your frame and, uh, of understanding but, of the internet. Okay, though. but that's just like saying you can just like recycle more as a way of changing climate change. It's a, it's a, mu- it's a huge societal shift and you, you can't go backwards with those things that we have to adapt to this new political arena of the simulation being wait no way is. you think it's too far gone for people to start thinking that the online space is is it that the reality has primacy to the simulation i think you're both right because i think you're both right because again i use tv as a as an example 
you know, when TV was ruling our mediascape, we thought, oh, how do we ever get ourselves out of the TV zone? I only watch two hours a day. Isn't that good? And now the thought of, of like having a TV is just like, you know, we, we wouldn't need to have it at all, right? It's made itself obsolete anyway as a medium. And the particular problems particular to television of, of being a one, uh, one-way recipient of information is no longer there because media has changed. So I think that, no, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. I think that's true. I mean, we already, just just as we already understand TV logic that's already formed our culture, we can't go back to a pre-TV time. We can't pretend that doesn't exist. But we also don't have a relationship to that particular media anymore that's useful. And I think our best hope, in a way, is the online space becomes useful in some ways, maybe that we don't even really know yet, and it becomes incredibly not useful in other ways. Um, And the noise builds up to the point where we just, it's like, you know, like when, when, TV got really boring. At a point, it was just like ads for people over 65 years old and like syndicated TV shows from the 80s. Why would I watch that? So it's like the internet may just be as an informational space, may be filled with way too many trackers or way too much noise and we won't use it. I mean, we do have some autonomy here. We don't need to go through a nofap of the internet, <laughs> in, you know, in order to in order to have a healthier relationship with it. I think it's going to happen organically that we identify that we have it's you know uh, yeah but it's addictive it it is addictive yeah, but tv but is it, too everything much goes too. through I waves mean, you know i think you're right yoga I, classes are addictive i mean TV, <laughs> the only reason why tv stopped being addictive is because there was more addictive things that were offered so what is the so vr that'll probably yeah. that, that'll take over and then the internet will be boring and we're not gonna be interested in twitter wars because we're gonna be having like Whatever I mean, fantasy Don dungeon. I spend time in a you know it, at this at a at a co working space slash community that's um, grounded in the tech sphere, and I will say that like people are very keen on doing community bike rides and community runs yes. and playing ping pong and playing guitar. And there's actually like an incredibly, you know, for that community rich, I guess, um, uh, IRL existence. And the computer zone is a work zone. So there's a kind of, there's a separation there. I, I, I But again, because they're like professionals. They're not like users in the same right. way. Well, they are, I'm sure too, but they're not just users in the, in the drug sense of the word. Right. You know? But the, I, I do think that the, there will be an answer that's outside of the internet, but it's definitely not going to be pretty. But it's going to be like this thing that, that you, you, po- you, post, you, you saw on Hacker News about these like vulnerability sort of sharing meetups, right? These like vulnerability sort of sharing meetups. Yeah, where it's like, I think that's kind of what the backlash is going to actually be look like. It's going to be these sort of empathy groups where like alt-right people go and like meet up with like SJWs at a bar to really get face-to-face and talk about it and meet and like work be it the out. Like, yeah, yeah. It, no, but literally. And like, like you said, these community bike rides and shit like that. Like I think what we're going to do is the social aspect is going to start to focus more on being social in real life and it's going to be so fucking corny and it's gonna be so cheesy well, yeah, that's and so cringy yeah but i think it's gonna make the world like actually like better and not so shitty to be honest it's gonna be corny it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be like a cringe fest 
from like a cool guy fucking point of view but i think it will actually solve a lot of the problems we have right now i think all of this is coming from this like we're all very online people i read this statistic that something like 18 percent of the voting public reads trump tweets or less than that like it's only amplified and yeah he's not it's no one's on twitter as far as the actual like we it fe- people who are on Twitter, you feel well. It. That's the problem. But the point is that so yeah. Bias. Obviously, people you know live without it, but they're not shaping discourse. They're not they're not influencing right. culture. So I don't think it's a choice in this way. Of course, you can like log off in this like you know mindfulness thing, but that's only because you're going to be so online when you're online. You know. I think there's going to be a, a general internet backlash. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of cringy like. We are the world, social meetups, where the people try to get off the platforms and actually talk face-to-face. And I think it's actually going to fucking help in the end because there is empathy goes out the window when you talk to somebody over text with avatars, mm-hmm. period. How would they organize, though, without Facebook? But that's okay. They, yeah, but, but that's okay. Would, I mean, like, an, like, again, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. Like, right. dark if we're saying channels. If we're saying we can't put the genie back in the bottle, then that's what I think is, is actually next step. Right. It's going to happen. I think we already see that ha- kind of happening. I mean, one of my favorite subreddits right now are these sort of, it's like an anarcho-primitivist support group of a bunch of people who are trying to go off-grid. And, of course, it's an online group to begin with. And it, there's actually right. not that many people there. And I just wonder if it's because they just, like, <laughs> drop off and they're out. Um, <laughs> but I am trying to, like, I want to, like, talk to some of them because I am really interested in that. I mean, that's a whole other thing because like that's that's back see setting, but not. But it's also come from them. It, yeah, it's well, it's yeah, it's another exit movement for right. sure. Um, but I, and I and, and similarly, it's like it's not just because like they don't like being online. Of course, it's because they think that like it's like collapse collapsitarian where they're like deceleration. If they actually think that's sort of like yeah, Ted Kaczynski, they they think that you have to actually like. Well, either that industrial system is going to destroy itself on its own, or like we have to, you know, decelerate it basically. Uh, so it's, it comes out of this sort of like survival technique more than like I think necessarily ideological. I mean, it's somewhere in between, of course. I want to be a, I want to be a narco primitivist. <laughs> Neo Lebensreform. <laughs> Yeah, I think narco primitivism though has a lot going I think so. for it. Well, I but I I do and I do think the like drug shift. I'm serious. Like Adderall and Xanax going out of vogue. Psychedelics are it. Like if you just read the like if you just read the like headlines of like like just like general newspapers even. I'm not even right. saying this is like some Berlin trend thing. No, yeah, it really, it really like it's is. embarrassing. Adderall and Xanax. It's like the yeah. thing, like embarrassing. Absolutely. But like like I saw Tao Lin tweet like about how he took like magic mushrooms and he finally got over his Adderall and Xanax addiction. And you're like, okay, so we're we're we've passed peak Xanax. We're now into psychedelics. I think it's but good. I mean, psychedelics is what drove the last last major shift for better or for worse in yeah. the late 60s yeah and, i mean all the guys who dropped acid in the 60s invented the fucking financial products of the 80s too yeah you know, i don't think people realize <laughs> it they were but no, they were, like, no they visualized money. money in new ways <laughs> when they were on coke in the 80s yeah. they made the financial products of the early knots oh like, that's, that's, that's what that explains the <laughs> it's all guys who dropped acid at business school in the like late micro 60s. dosing now they're micro no, yeah. Now they're then they were mega hero dosing. No, no, but yeah. now they are <laughs> But anyway, I mean, I'm 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 still really curious about what, what China's ketamine fetish is going to result in. <laughs> yeah. Wait, does China have a ketamine fetish? It's the it's the most popular drug there. Well, yeah. I mean, ketamine I think is 
is I'll, I'll, today's LSD. Yeah, I believe. that's yeah. for sure. And I, I've seen, I've heard some recently some rap songs that are talking about ketamine. For no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. South, some South Florida rap, which is like what we were talking wow. about Whoa. when you were tweeting earlier about hair about metal. hair metal rap. I do really think there's this like like XXX and yeah. like Pump, they're like whatever screamo rapping is pretty much like. Well, it's very retro like, tunes to like. No, but they're still too image conscious. Like SoundCloud rap is basically hair metal. Like well, they, all, they all have really interesting hairstyles. Yeah, That's it's true. all about your. That's it's true. all about your hair. It's all Your about the producer family. you get on your song. It's not really about how well you rap. Yeah, how many it's times all about you have all your girls, 69. girls, girls, all your yeah. promotion. Like on the right. Hollywood Strip, they all used to fl- every band, whoever the most best flyers, like got yeah. the biggest shows and got big. And it's just like, Whoa. but I'm waiting for like the thrash backlash. Like right. you know, wait, where's the Slayer? Where's and Slayer signed the Def Jam. Right? Oh. That's not, that was my tweet. That's why it all came together in a neat I package. See. But I see. I've been listening to lots of thrash again. Recently. <laughs> it's really good. Testament. Testament's the best. Because <laughs> they sound like all like really good Metallica songs you've never heard, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Because you've heard all of Metallica songs a hundred times, and they and they invented they and they went butt rock, which is really bad. Butt rock. Yeah, but yeah, like what, Metallica what? went butt rock after. What's butt rock? Butt rock is like. Jam. Yeah, it's just butt rock is just like. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that term? I butt never, rock? I've never heard that term. <laughs> no, butt it. rock is just like. <laughs> like dudes, <and> just like. <laughs> it just sounds like a butt in like jeans, like true religion <laughs> jeans butts. Like sounds like that. So that's uh, the second New Models podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, This has been Carly Busta, Masha Chan, Daniel Keller, and Little Internet coming to you from Berlin.